0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking, and I am your host, Philip Anthony. Thank you so much for joining us today, especially my audience out there, and I also want to thank my guest. And make sure that you're feeling fantabulous. You know what fantabulous is?
1: Well, I'm with you, Philip. So how could I not feel <laughs> fantabulous?
0: Well, it's fantastic and fabulous, put together twice as nice. Save perfect. time. You know, it's a right. we want to do that.
1: Too much is never
0: enough. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, so um as usual, I always introduce my guest. And today's guest is the Reverend Dr. Patrick Shebeck. Did I did you, you did? Is that perfect? You said it correct. All right. The senior pastor at St. Paul Reformation Lutheran Church. Welcome, Patrick, to the Downright Upright Show. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I'm glad to be here. And, sp- and I know this is a busy month for you at your church. It's Christmas month. and It is. And finding the time to come here was really nice of you. So thank you. You're welcome. You bet. So as usual on the show, before we get um, into your serving as a senior pastor at St. F- Paul Reformation Lutheran Church, that's a mouthful, isn't it? It is. It its It is a lot. Uh, (laughs) It is. I would like to learn about your beginnings, like where you were born, raised, went to school, and how it all started for you. And if you want to throw in some memories, feel free about during that time.
1: Uh, I was born in Edina. I grew up in Minnetonka. So I... Field feel a lot of Edina jokes um, quite
0: frequently. (laughs) No, I have to take this off. It's getting warm in here.
1: Um, I did my undergraduate work at St. Olaf College in Northfield.
0: That's a very, very prestigious school, isn't it?
1: Well, it's a good place um, for the most part. And then I did um, my graduate work at the Lutheran Theological Seminary in Chicago. And then my doctoral work at the Catholic Theological Union also. In Hyde Park in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of school. Um, and now um, I am in my second call, what we call our calls in the Lutheran Church. So, um, St. Paul Reformation is my second big boy job. Um, and I've been there for almost 10 years, where I um, am responsible for serving that congregation and also working with students. Uh, from Luther Seminary who are preparing for ordination. All right. So I've worked with students from there and from the Lutheran
0: Seminary in Chicago. Is so. it a very large <clears throat> congregation, uh, your church?
1: Large is relative. True. So um, Protestant congregations tend to be smaller than Roman Catholic congregations just as a general rule. All right. right. Um, but there are a lot of Lutherans here because – You know, the Twin Cities is like the Salt Lake City of Lutherans. Mm -hmm. And so what is considered to be a medium-sized congregation here, which St. Paul Reformation is medium-sized, would be huge in other parts of the country. So
0: um,
1: I think that we're medium-sized. Sometimes they think that they're small, but they don't know what small is because they've not been— in other parts of the country many times, and there are some really, really big Lutheran congregations um, in the Twin Cities and up into North Dakota so we're we're medium sized I would okay. say we're just you know
0: digestible <laughs> that's a good word before we uh before you began your journey as a pastor, you were involved in church music because my husband had told me this um yeah. He's in church music as well. So maybe that's where you kind of like hooked up kind of, you know. Right.
1: I was a church musician before I went to seminary. Mm-hmm. So I um, served Episcopal and Lutheran and Roman Catholic congregations in the Twin Cities. Were you an organist? I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, you could still play it. Yeah. Organ. Well, I you know, if you can't play it right, play it loud. <laughs> that's my <laughs> motto. Okay. Um, <laughs> and... That was a great job, but I did not feel like I was necessarily called to that work. Plus, which, I was a really lazy musician. I kind Meaning? Of, I kind of half-assed it a lot of the time. Really? Yeah. I just would kind of hope for the best. And, you know, I wasn't really practicing as much as I should be or paying attention as much as I should be because I didn't feel called to do that work. I mean, I was good at it. I could do it. It was fun. I didn't really have to worry about a whole lot.
0: Was it a springboard, though, for you uh, 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 to go from church music into being a pastor at a church?
1: I mean, I think it was helpful in that I realized during that time that that was not what I was being called to do. So I was... Um, I think people don't—my experience is that people don't generally sort of decide that they want to be clergy. I think this is probably a common theme for any clergy person that you would talk to. Like, people will say, well, when did you decide to become clergy? And the answer is, I didn't. Um, You know, I think it, it was sort of, you know, you can run, but you can't hide, um, and I think God had other plans for me, and I tried to avoid them for a long time. And yeah, well—, I, well They
0: couldn't be avoided anymore. I'm sure your congregation loves you. Well— I, 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 could, I, I could just imagine. I mean, I would love to just hear your sermons. That would be a kick for me. They're lovely know? people. They're good people. <laughs> well, that's great. Now— um, can you tell the audience first of all what's what before I ask this question I have to define a term so that they mm-hmm. they know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. vicarage the the word vicarage is the in Lutheran parlance
1: the yeah. vicar is the seminary intern so okay. um, it's a fancy word for intern the trainee Yeah, for <laughs> the students that are training to be pastors now in Other traditions in the Episcopal tradition and the Roman Catholic tradition, that word means something differently. But for Lutherans, it means um, somebody who's in seminary, who's doing a practical training
0: in a congregation to learn how to be a pastor. Awesome. Well, well, during your vicarage year, you Mm -hmm. were in San Bernardino, California, working and teaching in one of the poorest and most violent, Mm -hmm. according to your website, um, cities in the country. Um, can you talk about that experience for the listeners?
1: Yep. So San Bernardino County is the largest geographic county in the United States. It's bigger than Rhode Island. Is um, it? it is. It's bigger than Rhode Island. Oh, my it's goodness. It's really big. Um, bigger it, than New York City? Uh, it's, I mean, not people-wise, but geographically. Okay, geographically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so area. Yes, area. Mm-hmm. Um San Bernardino County is about, the city of San Bernardino itself is about 55 or 60 miles east of Los Angeles, directly east. Um, and San Bernardino is an outer ring suburb of L.A. I mean, L.A. is so big that 60 miles from downtown is still a suburb, right? Mm. Um, nobody in Minnesota knows anything about San Bernardino except for the song um about route 66 oh yeah Um, get your kicks get your kicks on route 66 and it's root right and san bernardino (laughs) right sure (laughs) and san bernardino makes an appearance in that song and people think it's lovely they're like oh this must be a wonderful lovely california kind of place with like palm trees and orange trees and beautiful people running around it is not that san bernardino is the armpit of america oh my goodness um It is really, really poor. It has a lot of crime and um, just lots and lots of dysfunction and has been that way for quite some time. And the people that were there, particularly that were involved in crime, lots of gangs, um, were kind of the B-team gang members. Like, they couldn't make it in L.A., so they... Went out to San Bernardino. I mean, the standards were a little lower. Um, But I worked at a congregation there that is an agency of the Lutheran um, Synod there, which is the same as the diocese. Um, And we ran a homeless shelter, we ran a clinic for people living in homelessness. I was the chaplain to a, a group of people who lived in a supportive housing program, who had HIV that we worked with. We had about probably 30 of those people, and then there were after-school programs and all kinds of stuff. It was really more of a social service agency than aggregation in the traditional sense of the word. And I have a lot, a lot of good stories from San Bernardino. I sometimes wonder how it is that i'm still among the living after having lived in san bernardino for a oh, year Well, you mean
0: like you, your life was threatened multiple times uh, or?
1: yes i mean it was that was sort of on the daily
0: like you got um, wow
1: used to encountering people on a lot
0: of um even with your collar on even with you the were, collar on. you were a pastor they oh saw... yeah that didn't matter oh yeah. boy so, that is pretty rough, I would say. Yeah, lots of
1: substance abuse, lots of... Um, well, that could be part of it, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mental health. Right, Right. You know, lots yeah. of mental health issues in those days. So that was almost 20 years ago now, um, particularly the people that were living in our HIV-supportive housing program. Uh, HIV treatment was much different than it is now. It was much more um, complicated than it is now, so pharmaceuticals have come a long way since then. So we worked with those people to make sure that they were med-compliant, that they were, um, in many cases, sometimes the way that they had contracted HIV was through needle-sharing that they weren't using, that um, they had safe places to be at night, those kinds of things. But Mm -hmm. sometimes jails and prisons in California are not like they are in Minnesota. (laughs) They're quite a bit more... Um, yeah, dangerous.
0: So, yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, well, we're glad you survived that.
1: Well, I'm glad I survived it, too, and I frequently draw on stories from San Bernardino for my sermons because in addition to it being a very difficult place to do work, it was also a really good place. I mean, there were good people. There were people trying to improve their lives and their communities, and... um it was a good place to cut your teeth on a sort of a side of all of our cities that we, I think, sometimes don't see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, sounds very precarious. It today. was, and the, the, of course the bus. But best you're here, and you're 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 sitting across from me, so I made Thank it. the Lord for that. I right? made it. Yes, and you, the you made it.
1: My favorite person that I worked with in San Bernardino, kid you not, was. Uh, her name was Aretha Franklin. That was her name. and Aretha, What? Yes. You
0: mean R-E-S-P-E-C-T, Aretha Franklin? It
1: was not the Aretha Franklin. <laughs> okay. But I was going to say. It was a Aretha Franklin. And Aretha Franklin... Um, wow.
0: I didn't know anybody else had that name. It,
1: it was, well, indeed, in San Bernardino, there is another Aretha Franklin. And she... Uh, She's amazing. She was amazing. She referred to me as Pastor Sugar Lips. And I... <laughs> Explained to her that maybe that wasn't a professional way of addressing clergy. (laughs) And she Ah! continued to call Uh, me Pastor Sugar Lips nonetheless. So So, was. She was a good person.
0: So um, moving on to um, how important it is for your community um, to have a church like yours that welcomes all. Now, full disclosure, as you know, Mm -hmm. I am a gay man. Mm -hmm. Shocking. Shocking. Mm-hmm. And you are a gay man, d- and you identify as gay, right? Yes, indeed. So, uh, how can you tell the listeners? Obviously, you and I know how important it is for validation. But mm-hmm. can you tell uh, the listeners how you know being welcoming draws people in back to mm-hmm. church life? Mm-hmm.
1: So the congregation that I serve has been doing ministry with GLBT people since the late 70s, which was quite early as far as religious institutions. Um, St. Paul Reformation founded or was the first publicly identified welcoming Lutheran congregation in the country to get what is called a reconciling in Christ designation. Yeah, I, RIC, right? Yep. And mm-hmm. RIC is a public way of saying that this congregation is open and welcoming to GLBTQIA plus persons. And St. Paul Ref was the first of those. So we have our little certificate hanging on the wall. So you
0: guys were the first church to be RIC? We were the first RIC. one. Yep.
1: Oh, congratulations. It That's was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. 1983, I believe. 82 wow. or 83. Um, St. Paul Ref has had a long history of welcoming GLBT people. Um, in 2001, before the rules of the denomination had changed to welcome GLBT people, uh, St. Paul Ruff illegally ordained an associate pastor. Her name was Anita Hill. And ended up getting kicked out of the denomination. Anita Hill. Mm-hmm, I know. And Aretha
0: yeah, where, where are you coming up <laughs> a with A lot of names? the
1: celebrities, right? <laughs> They're
0: all celebrities. Um, Next thing you to and Barbara Streisand. Right, right, she's a member. <laughs> she's a member. She's a member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: Um, so the congregation ended up getting kicked out of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is our parent denomination. Um, but it was well- debate was raging within the denomination to change the position on welcoming glbt people and to their credit saint paul Ruff continued to go to all um events of the denomination and continued to pay our benevolence and do all of those things and sort of showed up for everything which i think was a really clever strategy because it was sort of like well we're not leaving so you're going to have to deal with us oh yeah um And then in 2009, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA, which is the largest Lutheran denomination in the country. Yay. uh, Yeah, voted Uh. in uh, Minneapolis, actually, at the convention center to um, have a much more welcoming position for GLBT people, particularly um, to allow GLBT clergy to be married. Um, to their partners,
0: and hence you're there,
1: and hence I'm there. Um, <laughs> and so I was ordained before that, but I was in the room when that vote was taken, and it was um, really, yeah, it was it was something. I, I, it was, you could hear a pin drop be- between the time that the vote had been taken and the tallies came up on the screen, and there were a lot of people. Who had worked very hard for that day, um, people who had worked much harder than I have worked for it. Um, and their work was finally realized with a church that was, I think, open to new things that God was doing. And now it, it seems like there's a Lutheran gay pastor on every corner. So. Um, you know, we're not the unicorns we once were. But all of this is to say that, to your initial question, which was about welcoming, that there are specific ways to do ministry with GLBT people. And one of those is that very frequently, um, those of us that have been sort of born and raised in mainline Protestant liberal denominations, the Lutheran Church or the Episcopal Church or something like that, Mm -hmm. forget that there are very, very large and very influential um, pockets of American Christianity that are very opposed to welcoming GLBT people. And I'm at an ELCA church all day long, every day, and so I forget that because— The people that are coming in our doors would never, they would, the people that visit us just assume that any congregation they would join would be welcoming. They won't go to one that isn't. Yeah, yeah. But we also receive a lot of members who, um, I affectionately call them refugees, who have kind of washed up on the shores of the Lutheran Church from other places that have been really hurtful to them and really... Um, damaging in some way. And so sometimes ministry with GLBT people really requires a building of a level of trust that has been destroyed by the church. Some GLBT people are not willing to participate in religion in any way, shape, or form because they have been so burned, right? Right. Um, And that's a pastoral reality, right? You don't keep... um, it's a harsh term but this was used in a seminary class i had once it's not good to keep courting, courting your ra- or your rapist it's not good to keep courting your rapist right so you don't i get the i get the analogy, analogy. Yeah. so you don't keep going back to um, religion when religion has really hurt you um that's why welcoming congregations are so much more important, right is that I don't want the narrative to be one of abusive um, shaming or uh, exclusivity and there are congregations that are very welcoming and um, absolutely more every day yeah I mean there have always been gay people in the church like you know where yeah. do, where do you think the pretty comes from <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: all, this, all those vestments. The phone moved again. See what I mean? It, it gets yeah. mad at me. It doesn't like me. Um, uh, I didn't even prepare this, but I, I want to know, did you ever hear of that movie? I think it's 1946, the movie. Yes, when the A- now, I saw it. Now, that's going to be revolutionary mm-hmm. because in the movie, it talks about yep. that homosexuality, the word homosexuality was just put in the Bibles in 1946. right. It wasn't. It was. It was supposed to be something else, right? I the, can't wait to see this. Right, it's really good.
1: Um, and that movie is about the editors of the revised standard version of the Bible, which came out in the nineteen nineteen forty six, I think. Yeah, and it's about the uh, conflict within the translation team about translating the Greek to mean homosexual, which it's sort of naive and a little bit um, stupid to sort of go around saying, well, the Bible says X, Y, and Z, um, sometimes and sometimes not. And so when people like to talk to me about what the Bible says, I, my very first question out of my mouth is, um, you know, how much Greek have you taken or how much Hebrew? And usually the answer is none. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that in the original languages of the Old and New Testaments, words can mean very many things. They don't necessarily mean the exact meaning that a team of translators chose. Yeah. So in that case, the word that was, that was chosen, homosexual, has about 18 other meanings,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Every translation team of every Bible has to make choices. So you're never reading the Bible. You're reading a translation of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that means that choices have been made about yeah, yeah. how words appear. And that was certainly an example of a choice that was made that had very far-reaching consequences right. for many people's lives and many families who thought, well, this is what the Bible says.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to move on, yep. to because we. I wish we had a two-hour show with you. You're amazing. Um, I get the impression, personally, mm-hmm. that uh, Pope Francis is trying to slowly become a welcoming pope. I, yes. I, I, I'm getting that impression, but the people around him, the, the old cardinals and, you know, the, the old fogies, I call mm-hmm. them, they're kind of... You know, bumping him. Mm-hmm. So what do you? what is your opinion about that? Because I feel that – because he, he came out many times to support our community. So yeah, yeah. what do you feel about that?
1: So I, I actually really like the pope. I think he's lovely. <laughs> um, I think he's in many ways trying to push the envelope as far as he can and as hard as he can in the Catholic Church. Uh, the Catholic Church is really, really, really big – And so um, to get, um, you know, some more openness there is more work than even one pope can do. Um, The reality is that there are gay people in every church. There are gay people in the Catholic Church. And it's just, I mean, you can bury your head in the sand for how long you want to, but it's not going to make the fact change. So... I think his questions about how do we provide pastoral care for GLBT people is certainly an entree into larger conversations that hopefully will result in a greater openness
0: amongst our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters. My fear though is the his successor. Right. This is the problem with the you know, the it's like the United States, you know, we had a wonderful president. Barack Obama, uh-huh. you know, and then we, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the pendulum right. swung right. all the way to the other side. So I'm afraid that that may happen. So we have to just, right. you know, pray that it doesn't, and that we have someone, yeah, much more welcoming, even yep. more than uh, Pope Francis's, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um. So the following issue has been an issue I've had on my mind uh, for a very long time since our government has provided almost no help to drug-addicted, mentally ill members of our community. What do you think the leaders of the faith community can do to improve the lives of people in those situations? Can, we, can the church be a substitute for the lack of, of, of work that's being done by the government? Sometimes,
1: and sometimes not. So I hear sometimes out of very... Um, conservative politicians that they don't want to fund social services because they feel like that's something that churches and private entities should be doing mm-hmm. and when they say that they've clearly never worked in a church on a shoestring budget like the church does not have enough money to be doing that but we do it anyway right so it's it's an excuse for not having to fund things just mm-hmm. make the churches do it well we can't compel anybody to give to the church you know in the same yes. way that the government can compel you to pay your taxes, right? Um, I think that the the church can't solve every problem, but the one problem that we can solve is welcoming people and giving people a place for community. And certainly during the pandemic for the last three years, um, we know that people are lonelier than ever. We know, I mean, the church does studies, you'll... medical practitioners know that people are more lonely than they've ever been, even for all of our social media contacts. Virtual community is not the same as real community. Um, You're right. And having to be in the messiness of human community where not everybody agrees with you on everything is mm-hmm. perhaps one of the ailments of the United States these days, right? Like, I, I kind of live in my echo chamber, Mm -hmm. And we all do, right? I don't, you know, but when you have to be in a real church community or a real community of any kind, whether it's the bowling league or the swim team or whatever, right? You have to deal with people and people are messy and people bring their baggage in the doors. And part of growing up and being an adult is learning how to navigate differences. So I think what yeah, the yeah. church offers is community. Like, yeah, don't tell me you're like sad and lonely. Like, you know, there's a church down the street that would be glad to have you and needs GLBT people to bring their gifts in the doors. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. God gives those people specific gifts that the world needs. So quit whining and go make the world a better place.
0: Yeah. Beautifully said. Really. Um, Now we're going to shift again a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I've – this is a little more lighthearted, this one. We have to uplift a little today. Um, Whenever I've attended Twin Cities Pride, I've noticed that your church always shows up to support and validate the LGBTQ community. And you even give out – now, I'm going to have to beep this because (laughs) – he's ready to laugh, yeah. Uh, I have to beep this. Friends, because it's a little risque, right. as they say. Um, you even give out stickers to everyone that passes you, right? Uh-huh. Yes, we do. And the sticker says, "All Christians." right? No, not all Christians. Not all Christians are assholes. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. No, we'll have to. Maybe we'll have to beep that out. I don't know. We'll have to ask uh... higher powers. You can say, oh, oh, can say that. Oh, I could say that. Oh, perfect. Okay, a holes. I call them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was your, resp- so my question is basically, <coughs> what was your response from the, the attendees people to the, love those it. sticks, uh, stickers? They sticks. love it. They love it. I mean, and I w- always wear one when I go there.
1: Yeah. We hand them out. We run out every year. We get people that want to order them off our website. We get like, we get inundated. We get people that say every year I've been looking for these all day in the park. Mm-hmm. Um, it may seem sort of crude, but... No, it isn't. I don't think it's crude at all. I think you...
0: I mean, hate, being hateful and dehumanizing people crude. is crude right. and hateful. Right, yes.
1: I mean, you speak the language <clears throat> of the people you are serving, and mm-hmm. for many people in the park at Pride who have been told they are not welcome in religious communities, that sticker yes. is the... Good news. Yeah.
0: What, what do you? What do they want you to put? Um, all Christians are poo poo heads,
1: right? I mean, that's <laughs> it's like, right. And you know, the people that are kind of like clutching their pearls at that in the yeah, park. Yeah. I'm like, well, did you see the guy on the leash over there that's being led around by his master on his hands? And knees? like, this is my sticker is by far the least offensive thing in this park. Uh, uh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have a I have a recommendation for you. Though. Yeah. And this is just my thing, but you could tell me whether you, yeah. you you would do it or not. Yeah. Why don't you make merch? We with have that, merch. That that merch, the money you make from the merch will support the church. Have all Christians aren't beep the, on a t-shirt or yep. a mug. What yep. do you think about that? A magnet. So
1: I think that's a great idea. What complicates that a little bit is that um, if nonprofit booths are selling things in the park there's a different category of fee that they charge us. So it goes way up. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you're giving stuff away, great. You get to pay next to nothing to be in the park. But if you're selling anything, then your vendor fee is, like, sky high.
0: What if you just say... So well, there's a recommended donation fee for this shirt.
1: Well, this yeah. is what I've heard some other religious congregations do, and that might be worth thinking about. Now we refer people to our website, and so you can go to our website, and there's a little shop, and you mm-hmm. can get the T-shirt and the beer mug and the yeah, you know, the tennis shoes that say not a fan or a fan that say that not says all it. Christians are assholes, so that you can mm-hmm. wave it. Um, in front of your crazy uncle at Christmas time, <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, and maybe you can come up with another slogan. That'd be great. Well, the no, other... another one beside. I love that one. You can't get yes. rid of that. That for a couple years forever.
1: we handed out stickers that said "Straight and narrow is not the only way to heaven."
0: Oh wow, which was
1: pretty clever as well.
0: I love that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So. Well, now, Patrick, we have come to the part of the show I like to call the shift. Okay, the shift. The shift. Make sure you say the F, because if you don't, we have problems, okay? The shift. The shift. it. Shift. And the reason I call it the shift is because we shift the questioning away from your personal journey as a pastor, and we talk about your opinions. Perfect. I have lots of them. On current events. I know. (laughs) All pastors have lots of opinions. That's why you are the perfect guest uh, to be on this show. Um, So as you may have heard, the Republican Party, especially the new speaker, Trump's Little Johnson, we call him. Mm -hmm. You know Trump's Little Johnson? Oh, yes. Um, Has tried to incorporate his definition of Christianity into our government at every turn. Mm -hmm. How dangerous do you think Christian nationalism would be if it was— you know, incorporated in our country, in our constitution.
1: Yeah, Christian nationalism is extraordinarily dangerous. and I agree. Um, I will say that it's... Christian nationalism is dangerous for the country, obviously, right? Like, there needs to be a separation of church and state. But I speak about this as a person who works in the church, and I will tell you it's dangerous also for the church, right it is the church needs to be protected from christian nationalism not just the country um when the church gets into bed with power it loses its authority to speak with a moral voice Um, i think we see that when former presidents are out waving bibles around in front of churches when they don't even Know the correct terminology for He's the books of the Bible, the Bible that they're reading, Patrick. right? Oh my God! <laughs> so, you know, my concern is that the church be protected from um, the government, right, and also that the government be protected from narrow definitions of Christianity. Like, the United States is not a Christian nation, no matter what uh, the right may say. If you sort of examine the religions of the Founding Fathers. They are only marginally Christian, in many cases very sort of... Deist. Deist, which does not, under any circumstances, fit a definition of Orthodox Christianity. Um, No. I, you know, it protects the church to not be in bed with power, and it protects the nation to not be in bed with the church.
0: And and can't the... uh these churches that are, like, what's a good... What, I don't want to offend the churches, but I don't like to say fundamental. Is it fundamentalist? Like evangelical that, sometimes. Okay, all right. Um, do you find that those churches mm-hmm. will communicate with you that you're not really Christian because you're teaching X, Y, and Z? Oh, yeah. Uh, have you mm-hmm. had encounters with yep. people like that and yep. pa- other pastors that... Yep. You have. Yep. And uh, uh, can you... Um, briefly talk about, like, what they say to you and what you say back? So we have a fellow
1: who comes and pickets outside of St. Paul Reformation occasionally. He hasn't been there for quite some time. And he is, I think, affiliated with Fred Phelps and his group in Topeka, Kansas. He died, didn't he, Fred Phelps? He did, but he's still got his little minions running around. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, This fellow comes and pickets... A lot of the Lutheran churches and the Episcopal churches in St. Paul, he's quite good at standing not on our property. So he stands on the street corner, which is city property, and he uh, holds large signs that say all kinds of terrible things. Does he have a bullhorn? Uh, he might have a bullhorn. I don't know. You know, he, I hate that. The last time he showed up, it was before the eight o'clock liturgy. And at 745, my assistant pastor came and said, you need to go outside and see this guy that's out there with these signs. And I went out there and he was this like sad, lonely man standing on the street corner at 745 on a Sunday morning. And I thought, are people still doing this? Right? Like you should be home in bed. And he clearly didn't know anything about the gays, because if he really wanted to stick it to the gays, they are not coming to the eight o'clock liturgy on Sunday morning. (laughs) They are going to brunch at 1230, right? You know, they're going for mimosas at Lush, right? (laughs) They're not coming to church at eight in the morning. And so he clearly didn't even know his target audience. But it's also really hard to take seriously when the words are spelled wrong on the sign. <laughs> so, I mean, I I uh, went out and chatted with him briefly. I said, you know, you're welcome to come in and receive communion because when we say that everybody's welcome, I mean that. Um, what did he say? He said that uh, communion in the Lutheran Church wasn't valid. So, and then he spouted off a bunch of things about Adam and Steve, and I kind of oh, gave, a, gave a big yawn, and I just thought,
0: does he have a hot, by the way, did you ask, do you have a hotline to God? Like he told you directly well, that
1: this. it's oftentimes just a waste of breath to sort of yeah, argue yeah, yeah. with such people. So, I agree. I you agree. Yeah. So there are people like that. I think there are certainly factions of American Christianity that would say that um, churches that are welcoming to GLBT people are not really uh, Christian or not really following the teachings of God, but, you know, I, when people are baptized, there's no footnote on their baptism that yeah. says this only works if you're straight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So I think there are those people. I was kind of hoping he was going to come to church to pick at us on Easter Sunday morning because then I felt like I could have live streamed it over Facebook live and a lot more people would have come to church, but he didn't show up. And I was like, "You suck! You suck! You can't even get to church on Easter. Like, <laughs> like you're a terrible
0: protester."
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to laugh about it because it's just so absurd to me. And I, I, you know, some people get really angry about it, and God bless them. I guess I, I don't necessarily have that level of anger. I just find it sort of pathetic and humorous. Yeah. yeah. Like I've got stuff to do like real work to do if you want to be out here with your misspelled sign on Sunday morning like you got to get a hobby buddy mm-hmm. like learn to paint watercolors or woodwork or something like useful
0: in the world <laughs> like this is not useful or at least invest in spell check at least exactly um so the next one the next question i have is uh the former twice impeached 91 times felony felony indicted former president, his name is Voldemort. We call Mm -hmm. him Voldemort because that's the name that we shall not speak, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He said if he's elected, he will abolish Obamacare while President Biden vowed to make 3.5 million more Americans eligible for Medicaid and expand Obamacare. So, um, and it's funny because, you know, the, the, the right is trying to be so evangelical, so Christian, and would... Uh, uh, Jesus mm-hmm. approve of taking health care away from people who need it. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we're living in a bizarro world. It's like upside down. Mm-hmm. Like the left is considered we're like evil and incarnate and we're like, we're vermin, as he mm-hmm. said, also called us, you know, mm-hmm. which is a very dangerous mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A term that Hitler actually used. Mm-hmm. And, um, We're trying to give people health care. Why is that considered dangerous? So take the ball and run with it. uh, You
1: know, (laughs) I think if you're going to be a Christian person, you have to uh, acknowledge that many of the stories in the Gospels are about health care. I mean, they are situations where Jesus is healing people. Exactly. So um, if Jesus is the example and Jesus goes around giving people free health care, (laughs) which he does— um, Guess you know, he does. you can blame it on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you don't like how the story goes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, health care is a fundamental human right. I think I think the Christian tradition would say that. everybody has the right to be healthy and cared for and flourishing, and that's part of what we would say theologically is the dignity of the human person. Every person, deserves that because they are human and because that's part of how we value humanity, right? So, I mean, I I don't know why you'd want to take health care away from people. That's stupid. Like, it's just a talking point. And I think that, you know, I had a particular member I can remember in my first parish who died of ovarian cancer, and it was right before Obamacare got passed. And oh, she no. was she was this woman who, she had a lot of problems, but she um, had no health insurance. And what ended up happening was she couldn't go to the doctor, she couldn't get health insurance, like, because she had a pre-existing condition. There were all kinds of things that prevented her in the former times from getting... Help, and she ended up dying. So do people really die because they don't have health care? Yes, they do. Like, I can tell you their names. They are my parishioners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not compassionate. That no. is not um, Christian. That no. is not, um, it's just, you know, sometimes I think kind of the
0: bar for being Christian is just kind of don't be a dick. <laughs> That's that you could say. You know why? Because a dick means a detective,
1: right? I mean, <laughs> just don't be a dick. Like a detective, that's, right?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not that hard, right? Oh jeez. You know, the, but they but they claim to be pro life though. Well, Patrick, they say they say, oh, we 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 cherish life and blah 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 blah. But meantime, the minute that that child is embryo born. converts into a baby, it is useless to them, right? useless right. right life doesn't matter for people that it's are living It's only in poverty. the zygote embryo right i don't even know what the difference is between those two but i know they're both fertilized cells right right that's important right but once they're here bye you right know, right take right. a walk right i mean if you're going to be pro-life
1: um okay great but then be consistent and it means all of life it means Access to education, access to health care, access to elder care. I work with a lot of elderly people. Yeah. Child care. Child care.
0: Um, care in general. Care in general. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're going to move on to Liz Cheney now. Oh, yeah. I love her now, even though I don't agree with any of her politics at She's all. She's a gay icon these days. Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> people, There was a drag queen that did her. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot she was called Liz Cheney Gang or something. I don't know. Maybe, but I don't remember. But um, can you comment on what former Congresswoman Liz Cheney wrote in her new book? It's called Oath and Honor, and reiterated on NBC's Today Show quote that a vote for him, meaning you know who, uh, you may uh, may mean the last election that you ever vote in, and that quote is we are sleepwalking into dictatorship. Mm-hmm. That was her quote. I'm uh, out of the book. Okay. What do you think about that?
1: Uh, I agree with that. I think that, you know, also one of the questions that I deal with and that we talk about quite frequently at St. Paul Reformation is what it means to be a um, person who's involved in the public square and what that means. Um, yep. Yeah. I, you know, I I try to not preach anything partisan from the pulpit, Um, but at the same time you have to call out evil when you see it, right? And the Lutheran church learned this in a hard way um, in Germany in 1933 when a lot, a lot of Lutheran pastors did not speak out against the rise of fascism in Germany. So we have learned our lesson. And the truth is that especially at this Christmas time, um there are lots of people who want to be Caesars. Hmm. Um yeah. and the church has a responsibility to remind people where our allegiance goes. It does not go to any politician left or right. Um, but and also to ring the bell when danger is coming our way. Mm. Is danger coming our way? Yes. Yeah. Um, Do churches as the moral compass of a culture have a responsibility to say something?
0: Yes. Yeah, well, uh, but my last show, I think it was the last one, the one before that, um, Dan Scavino told Mm -hmm. uh, Jenna Ellis, uh, Trump's attorney, Trump's not leaving. He said, I'm not leaving. I'm not going. He knew he lost, but told her... Dan Scavino told her. He said he's not leaving. So that's 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 like coup d'etat talk, right. you know. Right. And I'm that frightens me because we live in a democracy. If you want to call it a constitutional republic, that's fine. Right. But you still have to vote for people. People right. don't stay because they want to stay. It that's not how it works. Yep. And so you know, yeah. I
1: think that's I mean, that's one of the differences between a more Conservative American Protestantism and yeah. mainline Protestantism, I don't tell people how to vote. I tell people to vote their values.
0: Yes. So, uh, the last question before yeah. we close the show mm-hmm. out, and, and then you could add whatever you want yeah. after that if you have any comments. Uh, besides praying for them, mm-hmm. how can we as Americans promote peace for the Palestinians in Gaza and the Ukrainians in Ukraine? Besides praying, obviously praying. Mm -hmm. We have to do that. Mm -hmm. But what else can we do? Because people are dying Mm -hmm. in both of those countries. Mm -hmm. Uh, What can we do as Americans?
1: Do your homework, which means um, understand the origins of those conflicts, particularly in Israel and Palestine. Um, I studied in Israel and Palestine and— The ELCA works quite closely with the um, Lutheran Church in Israel and the Holy Land. We have a lot of Lutherans there, actually. Um, It is a complicated, complicated situation. So learn the complexities of it rather than um, accepting um, convenient... Explanations. Yeah, because, you know, uh,
0: I, I think the leadership on both sides, mm-hmm. like we had uh, Menachem Begin and we had, uh, um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, the president of, of, of Egypt at the time, mm-hmm. they sat down mm-hmm. and they made peace. They hated each yeah. other. So it's possible, right. but you have to have two willing parties right. to and sit you, down and, and work it out. And you, you know?
1: have to understand that nothing happens uh, in a vacuum.
0: Forgot his name. Anyway,
1: you know nothing happens in a vacuum. So learn the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like learn the history of both of those sides and what brought us to this sort of present
0: moment of conflict. Sadat was his name. Yeah, I had a brain Anne fart. Anwar Sadat. Yeah, my 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 brain farts a lot. It's okay. Anyway, so um, last thing before we go, do you have any lasting comments that you want to leave? Uh, let's let's try to uplift after this uh, uh, this show so that we can have leave on a happy note.
1: Yeah, so I think, I mean, to summarize, and the reason that you have your show, right, is that mm-hmm. like GLBT people are important in the world that we you all share. matter out there. They do. All they, of you matter. They. Don't
0: listen to people that are making you do harm to yourself. Right. Or no, come right. and talk to us. Right. You have Pat right. Shebik here, the Reverend. He'll 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 talk to you. You have me. You have. People in the community that are there right. for you. Right. And that's how I want to leave off here today.
1: Right. I mean, absolutely. Like, the world and I'll speak for the church, like, must um, have the gifts of GLBT people. They yeah. are too precious and too important for us to leave by the side of the road when we won't do it.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to close the show. Um, you've been great. Thank you so much, Patrick, for coming to the show today. You are amazing. Um and for more information about Pastor uh, Shebek, you can go to www.stpaulref.org. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the show. Thank you for the listeners, for listening. I'm at zero here. So um, thank you for your support, your clicks, and your subs. Love you all. Bye.